Redefining narratives and shifting perspectives. This is Story Noir. Welcome to chapter 18 of the Story Noir podcast. I'm your host, Opal, and I'll be facilitating a conversation with Barbad. Barbad is a vocalist, pianist, and producer hailing from Oakland, California, my roots, my neighborhood. Before taking the world stage, he went to school at Berkeley Law and practiced as a lawyer, okay, tap in, in the courtroom. <laughs> but like many creatives, his life calling came and he was able to leverage music in order to heal and break free. And so the themes of his music definitely include self-discovery in all forms, which I myself was able to witness the night we met at the Sounds Underground Showcase, but we'll get into that a little bit later. And so today we've garnered a friendship as two creatives finding their footing in this great big world. And so without further ado, Farbad, thank you for coming through. Thank you so much for having me. I, I've been so excited about having this conversation with you. Yes, this is a full circle moment. And mm -hmm. so talking about full circle moments, <laughs> our origin story happened at UC Berkeley's Zellerbach Hall at the Sounds Underground Showcase, which yes. we'll get into a little bit later, but how was standing on the stage at Zellerbach a full circle moment for you, which you even spoke about during your performance, but tell the people who were not there. Yeah, it, it was very much a defining moment for me because I... I was a musician ever since I was a child. It's what I always wanted to do. I, you know, since before I could walk, I was singing and I was just a very creative human being. Um, but my my parents being immigrants and a little old fashioned uh, Middle Eastern parents, uh, they were more inclined towards certain other definitions of success, uh, those being school and, you know, corporate stuff. Uh, so we can get into this, but I, I spent many, many years walking away from music, uh, telling myself it wasn't really, all that important to me all along. And yeah, I wasn't really supposed to do it until four or five years ago, I kind of heard the call again and I realized uh, I need to get back to what really gets my blood pumping. Um, at the time I was, I still am, but I, I was a successful corporate lawyer working 90 hours a week. And I just kind of had this clouds parted and I realized I had gone a little astray in where the direction that I was supposed to go. So very slowly, I did a whole lot of internal work spiritual work, therapy, you name it, I did it uh, to figure out who am I and what is my place in this universe and on this planet. And I realized uh, whatever the answer to that is, it has to include music. Uh, so I, I slowly got back to it over the course of the last five years and somehow found myself on stage at Zellerbach Hall a few weeks ago. Um, and that was just the idea that that was even a possibility for me would not have even factored into my brain five years ago, let alone it actually happening. So it was a really, really beautiful moment. Yes. And so thinking about having the pressures of, you know, the big three, either doctor, lawyer, engineer that we're all <laughs> faced with of choose your life path. I myself yes. similar to you being on um, the law track, because by no means was I a STEM girly. I was like, I'll do law. It seems easy enough to do. And so with myself, I was in the venture capital space. I kind of mm. Say it's akin to the to being in um, corporate law in the sense of you know you have this calling, but on the outside everyone thinks you're so put together. It's like you're going to work, you look good, the car looks nice, you know all the things, mm -hmm. but you have this aching feeling in your heart of like, uh, I know I'm meant to be here, but am I really? Is as nice as this looks? Like, what do I do? And so you, like many of my friends, 
have not necessarily taken the leap to do you actually took the leap and now you're living in your truth and so really kind of deviating from the expectations of your parents and getting that approval being a corporate lawyer then embodying that of a corporate lawyer and easily being able to retire from something like that and everyone being like that's okay but then being like skirt I'm actually going to go pursue my dreams. I'm going to Hollywood and everyone's like, WTF are you doing? How could you throw your life away? But then Mm -hmm. now having that complete 360 of, you know, seeing that I'm actually all the better for this. Let's unpack that a little bit. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. So let's start with being within the the corporate space. And Mm -hmm. were you thinking about kind of balancing music and law together? Or was it more, no, this is going to be all law music is you know that's that's a pipe dream yeah it was the latter so uh I actually remember exactly when things shifted for me uh I senior year of high school I got the lead in our high school musical it was called crazy for you it was a tap show I didn't even know how to tap I my best friend taught me um actually was a legend at school because uh I didn't know how to tap so every day after school for three hours we would pick a hallway uh, and she would teach me to tap in one of the hallways. And it became this sort of game where people would try to figure out what hallway are they going to be in. It became the stuff of legend. Anyway, I get the lead. Musical was an incredible success. And that kind of, th- this fire inside of me lit up. And I realized I, I'm a performer. This is what I want to do. And so I went to my parents and I'm like, I, I want to do musical theater. <clears throat> and uh, let's just say that did not go over very well. I was going to um, say <laughs> yeah, my my immigrant parents who fled Iran after the revolution, we were political refugees. So the idea of everything that they had sacrificed all of a sudden coming up against the possibility that I may be a starving artist, that yeah, was no. the fear, right? No. Um. So they gave me doctor, lawyer, engineer, just like you said. Uh, and so I picked going to law school. And when that happened, I packed mentally everything up, all of the creativity, all of the music, all of that. I packed it up in a box put that in another box, put that in another box, buried it 50 feet underground. And I told myself, it's over, it's done. So I stopped playing piano. I stopped singing. I stopped all of it for 10, 12, something like that years. Um, And so I went full on, full on corporate. I was at one of those mega law firms uh, by whatever definition you want to use, very successful, all of the prestige, all of the big clients and all that stuff. I made lots of money. Very fortunate, very privileged lifestyle. Um, but I just, I wasn't happy. And I I looked around and I, I looked for any joy I could find anywhere uh, at those old jobs. And I didn't see anyone else experiencing any either. Um, all of these incredibly brilliant, brilliant lawyers doing these, you know, front of the New York uh, Times cases. Um, but no one was experiencing any play, rest, joy, carefree, lightness, fun, like, why even be alive if that's not a factor in your life? And I was on the verge of, yeah, well, yeah. So, I mean, I was on the verge of being a partner at my old law firm and I just, I put on the brakes and I I just realized that I I can't, because if I, if I take that step, first of all, I'll be at the bottom of a brand new ladder Uh, and then the lifestyle increases and then you have to fund that lifestyle. And at the same time, I was doing all this internal work, trying to realize who even am I and what do I want to do? And I realized I had to make a major, major, major change. So that's that was five years ago. And so that kind of segues into your coming out story and tell me about coming out uh, in, in many different forms. And so however that lands for you, take me on that journey. Yeah, I mean, so 
I feel like I've been coming out in one way or another uh, for most of my life. Uh, I'm a gay man. Uh, so, I mean, I came out as gay in my early 20s. But as as queer people, we come out pretty much in every conversation that starts to ask about who you are as a human being. Uh, you know, when people talk about their partners um, or what they did last weekend or what they're doing on their next vacation, there's always a concept of coming out uh, because the default, at least in many parts of the world, is, you know, heteronormative. And if you're if you don't fit within that, the moment you describe yourself in any way, all of a sudden you're coming out again over and over again. Um, that's just a common experience among queer people. But there I guess there's a, a second version of me coming out to myself, which is. Um, starting to decouple um, or deconstruct my understanding of what life is even supposed to look like, what what success means. Um, and it's interesting because I, you know, I've done, I've sat, I've worked with ayahuasca a whole lot. Um, I've done a whole lot of therapy. I've had life coaches. It's taken an entire village to get me to where I am now. But what I've realized is ironically is the, the where I what I figured out is what my parents actually wanted for me all along and they just couldn't isn't, quite see it isn't that wild yeah I mean it's it's kind of beautiful actually because um long story short after the revolution happened in Iran um music became illegal dancing became illegal everything that made life worth living became illegal and they realized that they didn't want to raise their son in that environment so they fled they fled claimed political asylum in London, and we were refugees in England for 10, 11 years. Um, they didn't do that so that just so I could be successful in corporate, in the corporate universe. They did it so that their son would have a shot. And then the question becomes a shot at what? And that was the question that I started to answer as I guess you could call it a coming out to my own understanding of what was the whole point of any of this? What is the point of any of this? And the whole point is to become the best version of who you are, to experience joy, play, fun, all these like nouns and adjectives I've been using. That's the whole point. And so that that was a kind of a second coming out, shedding the conventional definitions of success and what we're supposed to do and, you know, become a good consumer and get as much money as possible, shedding those things and realizing what actually matters, which is often behind it. Absolutely. And so that also goes to my next question of your song reflection and how mm. does that play into who you are today and reflecting back and what you see? Talk to me about about that song. Well, so first of all, it makes me so happy that you even listened to that. Um, so that was, you know, it's it's funny. I, I don't know what my songs are about until usually about two years later, because um, the, the way I write my songs is I'll sit in front of the piano. Uh, and I'll put my fingers on the keys and I will just let whatever emotional energy wants to flow through, flow through. And then I'll, before I know it, there's notes happening and then there's a chord progression and then there's lyrics that will come into my head and it'll have sort of formulate itself into a song. And I, I won't know what it's about until a couple of years later after I've done some more work and I'll realize, oh, <laughs> that's what I was struggling at the time and I with at the time and I didn't even know it. Uh, now that I've done that work and I've healed whatever that needed to be now I understand so reflection was actually about exactly what we just talked about it was about my realizing that I had abandoned who I really was you know how I said I put it in boxes and I buried it um th there were times when I looked at myself in the mirror and I didn't even know who I was looking at I was like I said I was working 90 hours a week 
I was exhausted. I was, my entire body was shutting down. I wasn't feeling any joy. My poor husband hadn't spent any kind of meaningful time with me. And I just had this existential crisis almost rock bottom about what has become of this human being who I vaguely remember was beautiful and talented and joyful and powerful. What happened to that person? Um, so the first verse of that song was me asking those questions. And then the second verse of that song represents me starting to actually answer them and starting to have inklings of memories of the person that I used to be and how I could potentially get back to it. So that's that's what that song is about. So beautiful. And I, when you had said the word metamorphosis, I thought about like a butterfly coming out of, you know, going from being the caterpillar and into the butterfly and then flying and taking off from it. And so a theme that we always talk about is like rejecting that life that we had before, leaving it behind. You know, that's that's a great part of the story. However, I feel like there are a lot of learning lessons that come from our past lives. And so one of the things for me is I pursue my own personal business. I am grateful for like the foundations that I got when working in corporate world with regards to you know, calendar management and meetings and doing things like really? that. So it's actually not too far of a cry from what I was doing before, just with a different face on it. And so how does that land for you? Have you leveraged those skills and tools that you um, had in the corporate world into who you are as an artist today? I have for sure. I mean, if I ever have a music contract, I'm good to go because I'm a lawyer. So I'm I'm really lucky in that <laughs> sense. Uh, but a couple of things. So first of all, I am still practicing law on the side, a fraction of how much I used to. And I, that actually kind of, I had a little bit of shame about that because, you know, they're when you listen to these conversations about people just, you know, going all the way into their dreams, there's kind of a lot of people talk about you either go all the way or you don't at all. And there's no gray area in between. And what, absolutely. And so I, one thing, actually, this is kind of a recent realization for me is um, being able to still practice law on the side is it, it's in one incredible tool, but it also allows me to, to fund the fun stuff that I want to do. And look, we live in a capitalist society where I have to pay rent. I have student loans. I have to buy groceries. I have to car insurance, you know, all the things that we all have to pay for. And so me not being quite ready, both literally and kind of like spiritually to take the full leap and to just rely on music for everything um, has something that I've, it's something that I've been, had, had to work at to give myself permission to do at the same time. Uh, to actually answer your question, um, a lot of the skills that I got uh, as far as thinking as a lawyer has been so incredibly helpful as far as analysis, organization, uh, reliability, professionalism, um, just and actually really being able to have conversations with people in the business side of the music universe that I may not otherwise know how to have. Like one of the big things, big things that I had to do and I still do. Um, is deal with clients, really important, powerful people who are clients and developing relationships with them. That's a really huge skill set that I'm so glad I have because now instead, you know, in addition to what I did before, now I'm working with record labels and managers and other people who are in the music industry space on the business side of things. And I, I know how to talk to them because I've been in the corporate universe, slightly different languages. Uh, you know, lawyers and musicians are a little bit different, but it carries over to an extent and it's really helpful. Yes. And I think, you know, what you said is, oh, lots of gems within that. But there is no shame within 
having your part-time role and then fully funding your music. Um, Because imagine if you were able to work part-time as a lawyer and fund your music from the jump, where it would Mm -hmm. be today. And so, you know, kind of, it's one of those, if I knew then what I know now kind of things. And so having that, I think it's really important to have that Mm -hmm. balance and that you could also kind of be a brand in that sense for people who might not necessarily want to take that full leap. So definitely, you know, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> Give yourself permission because there's definitely a space there, you know, to be able to to cultivate that. And so something else I want to talk about is um, your definition of community and the ways that you show mm. up and the communities that you're part of. Um, one, the couple of things that come to mind is that you have um, a co-working community. And again, yes. Those are the folks that support you within your your day-to-day nine to five and then also your music as well. And so what does community look like for you and how do you kind of embody it and what kinds of communities do you find yourself um, in? I'm so happy you asked me that question because this is something that is really fresh for me. So I moved to Oakland uh, just over a year ago uh, when my partner got into school at Berkeley for a master's PhD program. Um, I was pretty antsy about it uh, because, you know, LA is the place to be for music, or at least that's what, what the conventional wisdom is. So, um, you know, we, we'd lived there for 16 years. And so picking up and moving everything up here and starting over in my forties was, was a little scary. I mean, the last time I moved somewhere new um, and built community was when I was in my early twenties after law school, when I moved to LA. And when, at least my experience of building community in my twenties was very different than what it looks like in your early 40s. In my 20s, you know, I was going to the bars, I was going to parties. Community was, uh, for me, broad, but not particularly deep at the time. Um, As I've gotten older, I've realized I've kind of switched that equation. Um, I need it to be deep. Broad will be lovely, but depth is what I'm really looking for. And so Ground Floor, the co-work space you mentioned, was kind of my first foray into figuring out how do I build community for myself as a 41-year-old, uh, what does that look like? Who do I want in it? What do I need from it? And so I'm, I'm still answering those questions. Um, but one thing that very much has happened for me uh, is I've realized how important to me spaces that involve queer people and people of color are. Um, and I'm still figuring out where I fit in those spaces because I am a queer person. And depending on who you ask, I may or may not be a person of color. It's sort of an open question among Iranians whether we're white, because I mean, I my skin is very, very white, uh, but we're also minorities in some sense. It's kind of a complicated conversation. And so figuring out like, who are my people, where, what are my spaces and how can I navigate those spaces without taking up space from other people who's, who belong to those spaces, um, that is a conversation, an ongoing conversation I'm having internally and with people in those spaces. And the beautiful thing about it is that's how community has arisen. Um, and so it's almost a don't overthink it, go into spaces with reverence and with an open mind and with um, with gratitude for being able to witness different people of all kinds and have that enrich you. Um, and don't assume that you know anything uh, more than you already do um, or that you own those spaces because you don't. And before you know it, you're running into the same people over time and you're learning things about people and community has arisen. So it's still very much an ongoing process for me. Um, so I don't quite know the answer to your question, but it's kind of, a, it's been very organic 
Um, and I'm I'm just so blessed to have the spaces that I that I currently do. Oh, round of applause for you, <laughs> Mike Drop. We can end the episode right here. <laughs> no, I man, I resonate with a lot of what you had said. And I actually want to use Sounds Underground as kind of um an example mm. of what happened. So at the yep. stage, from my perspective as the producer, when I walked into um, the green room, I saw everybody. It was just like a certain kind of chemistry that I hadn't felt before. And kind of similar to you, we're walking in from very different walks of life under the context of music, different kinds of music, different genres, different styles. And so, but when you all came together, firstly on the Zoom call and then actually in person, mm -hmm. I was like, wow. This is not something that you can just like handpick and like say you want it to look like this. This is more of just a cultivation and a different kind of community. And so, you know, you know, like you said, you had released kind of those those thoughts of like what I want this to look like. It's like, let me just go and be yeah. embody that. And so thinking about that from the context of your music, thinking about it from community cultivation, like that's what we need. And it's and mm -hmm. and you'll see when you just when you release like these moments come up. And so like, yep. it's so cool to see you embodying it and you can speak to it like, hey, this is what happens when when you just release. So like, very exciting. <laughs> I could not agree with that more. And also that event was so special because it was so diverse in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, it was racially diverse. It was age-wise diverse. It was musically diverse, creatively yeah. diverse. It was just, it really represented how rich the human experience can be when space is provided for all of it yeah. um, and you know I we're in the Bay Area and in particular in Oakland which is one of the things I've started to realize there is so much of that here uh, I mean I, I'm getting goosebumps just even thinking about it it's just there's so much here that is ready for the experiencing of human joy um, mm -hmm. it's I'm, I'm so so incredibly blessed to see it Yes. And so outside of um, your music, because it does bring people together, would you ever consider um, like community cultivation or like hosting shows and, you know, your own sort of maybe coffee and conversations? Because I definitely see that. I would love that. I wouldn't know the first thing about how to do it. <laughs> hey, you have the right people in your corner. Because yeah. I'm sensing something coming up because, again, that need for community and like putting it out and doing it ourselves. Yeah. Again, that's exactly what Taylor and I did not having a heck of a clue on how to do something mm -hmm. at scale, but being able to execute it in the way that we did was was really great. And so outside of music, outside of corporate, what's <laughs> super fun? Because I know, you know, music is considered fun, but what are mm -hmm. some hobbies that aren't necessarily revenue generating? <laughs> well, I don't know if my music is quite revenue generating yet, but we'll put that one on the side for now. Um, I love... Uh, going, I know it's music, but music festivals and dancing in particular. Uh, so I, when I started producing, the reason I started producing is because I fell in love with trance music and progressive house because my partner dragged me to Electra Daisy Carnival. I think it was 2012. I'm probably getting the year, year wrong. But anyway, I went reluctantly. I told him I don't like electronic music, but I went reluctantly. So we go, uh, I think it was, that's right, it was Orjan Nielsen, uh, he's an amazing trance DJ, was spinning one night, and the music he was playing was so beautiful, I was literally on my hands and knees dry heaving. I just, I couldn't even breathe, it was so beautiful. And actually, speaking of community, going to those kinds of events ended up becoming its own sense of community. People who, you know, they call them ravers, or people who appreciate the plur lifestyle, peace, love, unity, respect. Um, you you go and you leave behind the shoulda, coulda, wouldas of your 
three-dimensional life and you go to these music festivals where it's just all about love and joy and play and music and you just experience it together and sometimes the music just turns into this vortex where everyone is just raging on the floor and it's it's really just an out-of-body experience so I don't know if that qualifies as a hobby but I love it more than anything uh this November there, there's a music festival called Dream State it's uh, it's a trance and progressive house music festival it happens every year. I used to be in San Bernardino County. They're doing it in Long Beach this year. I'm going to be there for sure. A lot of my friends are spinning at that kind of event. So dancing to music that takes you out of your body is actually, it's kind of a somatic therapy to me um, because the music is making, it, it's literally vibrations hitting your body and you align your movement to to those vibrations and you release whatever isn't serving you. It's it's really a spiritual experience sometimes. And then sometimes it's just stupid fun. And that's, that's just as good as well. Man, I really see you as a healer in many different forms, Farbad, because again, your music is healing. The kinds of um, experiences that you create are healing. Just your presence is very healing in a lot of different ways. And so, man, I, I can only (laughs) wish like greatness for you and you. you know next time I spin I definitely want to have your track um you know oh my god that background. would be amazing because definitely know that you had us turning up in the green room do you remember <laughs> when you walked back from your from the stage I do into yeah the, into the group tell the people because I remember I wish I had it on camera it was just so you know it, it's funny because I'm I'm such a Leo but I'm also not a Leo in so many ways like I love attention I love you know, being on the stage and I love being a loud personality. But then sometimes when I get the exact thing that I want, all of a sudden I'm just like, oh my God, what did I do? So um, half of the time that I was on stage, I was basking. Half the time I was like, how is this even real? Uh, But then at the end of it, I walk back. And then speaking of community, oh my God, the people who were standing in the green room on my way to the green room were just so incredibly supportive. I mean, they lit me on fire over that performance. And of course, you know, me being who I am, I'm like, ah, that note was a little out of tune and I could have sat sang that in a little bit, but no one cared because the only purpose for any of us even being there was to support each other, build each other up, experience joy, tell our stories. And just walking from the microphone back to the green room was a journey of that on its own. Our it was so beautiful. We were lit in the back <laughs> to the point where the stage manager had to be like, shh, because we thought oh, the God, audience that's was going to hear it. Like, because, you know, I think you were number, performance number like three or four. Three, yeah, it was and three. So like, you know, folks are getting used to it. We're still kind of like getting the stuff together backstage. But I remember the energy in the room because there was a TV that you could see that everyone was like, wait, like, no, that's Farbot. And we're like, wait, shh, shh. And, and we were lit. We were like fist pumping in the back. And so oh. thinking about kind of the experience that you had at like EDC, oh, we were mm-hmm. ready. We were yeah, like, exactly. we wanted yeah. more. And so unfortunately, you know, we had a very limited time for each performance, but like the energy that you created for those, that three to five minute swap. Like I'm, it's not even blowing smoke. It's legit. We were like, you know, that means a lot to me. And and that in and of itself was very healing. And so, um, please just like continue, ooh, continue putting forth that (laughs) magic. And so, being that you're now back, you went to school here in the Bay Area. You moved Mm -hmm. to SoCal, and now that you're back home in the East Bay specifically, I gotta ask some. Mm store recommendations where do you buy your books from that since this is story noir I'm a terrible person the answer is going to be amazon unfortunately <laughs> it's okay that's for 
<laughs> any cute bookstores maybe in LA that you used to go to? Uh, yes. Oh, God, what was it called? It's, I think it's either the Forbidden Bookstore or the Forgotten Bookstore. I, I'm forgetting the name. It's downtown. It's massive. It's not the kind of thing you see every day anymore. And it's really old fashioned. It's architectural. Oh, I'm blanking on the exact name of it. Uh, but it's the kind of space I could be in for hours and hours and hours. Lost Books LA? That's it. That's Lost it. Books LA, yes. So I kind of feel like the Forbidden Bookstore sounds no, no, a little bit cooler. But It's okay. No, I, I, I hear you. Um, <laughs> because they have like plant. It's kind of the aesthetic of like plants and like being outside. Yes, and so exactly. your typical, you know, small bookstore. And so, well, mm. we definitely have to to have you perform um, venues. Oh, that would be amazing. And like little places are definitely very, very exciting. Um, and I also wanted to see if there are any other local artists that are doing similar work to you that you might want to um, uplift and highlight. Um, you know, one thing that is something I really want to work on is getting to know more local artists. I have a couple friends here, uh, Daniel Pino, John Jen, and Derek Va, who are uh, in the electronic dance space. Um, some of them bounce up and down uh, between the coasts, but John Jen and Derek are based in, in San Francisco. Uh, they're kind of in the beginning phases of their gig gigging careers, uh, but they're starting to play shows. Uh, so look them up, John Jen, J-O-N-J-E-N, and Derek Va, V-S-V-O. Um, they're super talented, producing, spinning, um, exactly the kind of people, actually speaking of community again, yeah. uh, lo local artists uh, are is definitely a community I want to build more of, uh, and I could do a, a better job at, frankly. Um, because there's so many of us up here and there's so much yeah. talent that needs that it is deserving of getting a voice. Um, so that's definitely one area for sure. Okay. And we'll definitely put their information into uh, the show notes for y'all to definitely yeah. be able to check them out. And then I also want to give space if you had any questions for me, because I know I've been firing the yeah. deep emotional questions <laughs> to you and, you know, had you on the hot seat. But if there was anything you wanted to ask me, by all means, this is the time. Well, so one of my favorite uh parts of our conversation together was kind of giving ourselves and each other permission to have wild, almost absurd dreams about what might be next in our various chapters. And you mentioned a couple of things. I'm not going to say them in case they don't want to be shared publicly, but I'm very curious if you've thought about what, what your life's going to look like over the next couple of years. And if there's anything that if you could wave your magic wand and you knew it would happen, if you go for it, what would that be? We're going to manifest because that's what this is all about. So mm -hmm. I really enjoyed having these kinds of conversations. And I joked a little bit earlier of like, you know, revenue generating and things. And so mm -hmm. if I could scale this to the point where this is like an everyday thing, I'm building out a team. I have, you know, a studio space where I could have folks come in and just creating that experience. It's not impossible. The thing is, you know, my dreams are really not that impossible. It's more of just getting in front of the right people and, and all of those yeah. things. And so scaling Story Noir to a level that you were saying where we're able to host events um, as needed. We're able to go to different event spaces and being like, hey, this is the, the energy that we want to create. Um, man, so if I could just go for it <laughs> and just wave my wand and have, you know, make it, yeah. make it happen, I think that that would be really beautiful for me. Um, and then also creating a collective of artists where I can just kind of tap their shoulder and be like, hey, mm -hmm. here's an opportunity to elevate your platform, you know, this is, this is what we're doing. And so kind of being that, um, being like A&R, so to speak, but like a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more than just um, artists and repertoire. It's like, no, we're create, we're curating that curator. That I was the exact word that was coming to mind, exactly. curating. Yeah. Yep. So curator, uh, I call myself curator of story noir. 
just because curating those different experiences. And so if I could mm. do it at scale, kind of similar, shout out to Solid Grounds to what they're doing as well um, with the like musical book, you know, podcasting um, emphasis, yeah. just let me go forth and be married. I'll be okay. And make sure that my my rent is also paid. And so that, that to me is very exciting. Um, another element is similar, um, the business side of things, um, being able to pick people's brains and being like, hey, you know, you yourself are building out, you're, you're still working part-time, but then being a full-time um, musician, like, what does that look like? I have someone in, you know, who needs mentoring and needs guidance in that space. Like, hey, Farbad, let me connect you to that person. Being that, that connector would also be really, really amazing and making sure both parties, you know, have, have what they need to make that happen. So lots of different elements, you know, again, it all goes back to to that of community, knowing the right people to tap onto, having kind of that understanding and ear to the pulse about who would work well with the other. So yeah, <laughs> if anyone out there listening is like, let me let me fund this girl, let me cut her a check, and you know have her do this, I I would love to because that would be my my main focus. Um, if it's I beautiful, can I comment on something you just mentioned that I think is so important? Because you know we we've, we've talked about community so much. Sure. You said the word mentoring. Um, yeah. And it just made me think about the fact that, you know, there's, we're taught so much that you should do everything yourself. Everything is individual, pull yourself mm -mm. up by your bootstraps. Mm -mm. Um, and you're only really successful if you, you know, did the grind and got yourself wherever by yourself. First of all, no one gets themselves anywhere by themselves. That's not even a thing, but just even setting that aside, the coming together and mentoring each other, it, as to whether it's skills that I may have that you may not have or vice versa, or even if it's not skills, just the showing up and holding space for people the same way people held space for me as I walked off the stage and just like being witnessed in trying and be, having that space held for you. And if it's appropriate, having people maybe hold your hand in certain ways and give you guidance or support, even if it's just purely emotional support. That is going to like kind of bring the conversation full circle. That's what community is for. That's the whole point. I mean, there is no child who doesn't better without having a village behind them. And that's kind of, you know, how I mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, it kind of took a village for me. It takes a village for all of us. And I feel like, I don't know, people like you and me in these spaces, especially in the Bay Area, are really coming around to the idea that that's kind of a necessary for any human being to really, really blossom in the way that they're supposed to. So the fact that that's something that you're focusing on on your for your next chapter is amazing. That is so exciting. And I'll double click on both you and I growing up within the confines of those pressures, the big three yeah. we like to joke about. We'll tell you doing it by yourself is not going to work, y'all. We, we tried it. We tried to put, we tried to package ourselves up and and be good and, and make sure everybody else was happy. We're, we're here to tell you, it, it, it doesn't work. You're going to no. be miserable. And so again, it's not to say, you know, F corporate, don't go and be in that space, but don't sacrifice who you are at the end of the day, because it's going to come back up. You in your, in your early forties, you're just now realizing this mm -hmm. Me in my late twenties. I'm like, okay, you know, I had my, my time, but like, I'm a lot happier now, but the grind time, you know, you gotta, you know, diamonds are built under pressure. I'll leave you with this. Bread <laughs> rises when it's able to rest. That's me. Mm -hmm. I'm the bread. And people will try, and I'll, and I'll say, people try to do the whole diamonds thing on me with the name, oh, oh, opals are made under pressure. I'm like, I don't do well under pressure. I do well when I'm able to rest, relax, yeah. and come back. And so 
doing all the more to reject that that notion of you have to grind and you know prove to whomever make the sacrifice worth it of us having to to go away it's like no as you said your parents don't want you to be miserable in this space this you're in this space to be able to be free whatever that means for you you know exactly we'll unpack that but like yeah have an element of freedom that they want you to go and embody and it's not embodying it in within the walls of you know the the box that you put yourself into so I just want to give you your flowers say that I see you and I think that there's a lot of inspiration to be had I mean I think you've created more community than you're giving yourself credit for so maybe I appreciate that that. a little nudge that I'm gonna (laughs) with you and so um yeah, I think I, I don't have any more questions on my end. I felt like you asked me some pretty solid ones. Is there anything else you wanted to to touch on as we um, wrap up? I just want to thank you um, because you're doing really important work. You're giving voice to voices that may not otherwise have a space to be expressed. Um, and they, they often tend to be perspectives of people who don't automatically get a microphone handed to them. So um, I consider myself one of those people, but there are many, many others. And between Sounds Underground and this podcast and all the other work you do, you're, you're again, speaking of creating space, you're creating space uh, for those voices to come up. It's beautiful work. Um, I want, I just want you to know that it's witnessed and appreciated. I'm, I'm seeing it happen. And so just thank you. It's just so beautiful to see. You're an early supporter. And that's, you know, oftentimes what we talk about in the corporate space, an early investor. I was there on the, the pre-seed round. And so this is mm-hmm. you being on my cap table early on because uh, I'm, I'm all in. I'm and all I, in. I really appreciate it. So I want to end the episode and give space to, I'm giving a preview of your song Reflection. So we'll insert a clip a little bit later um, for folks to get a little bit of a taste, but where can we find you um, on streaming platforms and online? Can you spell it out for us and let people know how we can cyber stop (laughs) you? Yeah, yeah. So my actual name is Farbod and my artist name is Farbod. That's spelled F like Frank, A R. B like boy, O, D like David. And I know it's difficult, so I spell it letter by letter. Um, just type that into Spotify, Apple Music, whatever your platform of choice is, and you'll find me. Uh, you can also find me on TikTok and Instagram. My handle is my name is Farbod. I love my name it. Is Farbod. <laughs> and, you know, look out for Farbod's music at the next club event. You know, make sure you put it into the DJ's request because Farbot is going up. We're going to get you those streams. I'm I'm so excited. And so and so now we're going to take a listen to Reflection by Farbot. I hope you all enjoy. And thank you so much for taking a listen to the episode. See you in the next one. Mm-hmm.